Bible reading this morning comes from Ephesians 5. We're starting at verse 20 and going through to the end of the chapter, 33. So Ephesians 5, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Please keep your Bibles open at Ephesians chapter 5. That'd be really good. I'm going to pray as we begin. Loving Father and Almighty God, thank you for your word to us in Ephesians. We thank you for giving Paul the words to write to that church in Ephesus, which is as true today as it was then. Lord, we pray um, that all of us will think hard about your word to us in Ephesians 5 today, as it applies to us all, married and unmarried. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there probably will be questions from the sermon today, so please make use of the I'm here today button. Uh, If you've got any questions about today, I'd love to spend more time than I have thinking about marriage and thinking about the significance of marriage to our entire church and everyone in it. Uh, So feel free to ask your questions uh, if you've got uh, any. Well, heading for our passage today is verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is the fifth and final outworking of Paul's imperative in verse 18, to be filled with the Spirit. God's great hope and God's great plan for us is functional relationship with him and also functional relationship uh, with one another. And we do that filled with the Spirit. Ephesians tells us, don't live like a fool, don't be unwise, don't get drunk and lose control of your decision-making. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In other words, live Spirit-filled lives. In other words, be godly. Speak the truth in love in all situations, encourage one another and build one another up. Um, Paul holds out great hope for the church in our relationships and rightly so. Paul holds out great hope 
for all of our human-to-human relationships. Isn't that good? Isn't that encouraging? There's great hope for all our relationships. Um, And rightly so, because our relationships with one another are based on and fueled by God's relationship with His Son through the Spirit. Our relationships are based on His relationship, His perfect eternal relationship. Therefore, says Paul, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reverence is respect and obedience and awe. It's a great joy to submit to authorities who take responsibility and care for us. Our children submit to their their teachers. In turn, the teachers teach them and care for them. And the kids willingly submit to loving care for them. I willingly and joyfully submit to Jono, my boss. He's a great boss and a loving boss and he cares for me and all of the staff in his care. I wonder if you can think of teachers, think of bosses whom you may have had in the past who cared for you well and think of the joy it was to submit to them. Perhaps you can think of teachers and bosses who didn't care for you very well and the struggle that it was to submit to them. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is a heading that links the overarching teaching that precedes it with the specific human-to-human relationships that proceed it. And this general principle teaches that we all look upon one another with humility, with a servant heart. We all look at one another wanting to give, not wanting to take. All human beings are dignified because they're all created by God and created in the image of God. And contrary to our culture, our fundamental identity and value are in being created by God and for God, not in our marital status and not in our sexual identity. Our fundamental identity comes from God and being made in His image. And that's why Christians celebrate the dignity of childhood. Children are not second-class citizens in a Christian household and in a Christian church. Christians celebrate singleness and widowhood. Paul celebrates the benefits of singleness for gospel ministry in 1 Corinthians 7. We also, we also celebrate the intimacy of marriage. And this explains why God designed marriage as a lifelong union of one man and one woman, not primarily for our mutual happiness, but primarily for our partnership together in serving God. That's why our marriages exist. The number one priority of your marriage, number one purpose, is to serve God. Serving one another is secondary. We are more blessed if we serve Him together than if we make our own happiness our governing idol. Our governing goal in our marriages is the service of God not our own happiness. That's a big call. (laughs) That's hard to do. But that is what marriages are made for by God. A marriage is like two cyclists riding side by side with a singular focus and a singular goal and a singular target. Two cyclists can ride together very closely and at great speed if they have a singular focus and a singular goal. If all of a sudden they start to have their own individual goals and their own individual focuses, they'll very quickly either crash 
or need to separate apart for safety because they're going in different directions. Marriage is like that. And this is why marriage is the ultimate earthly example of God's eternal plan for Christ and his church living together for the glory of God. Marriage is the ultimate earthly example of Christ and the church. The church exists under Christ for the glory of God, as does marriage, exists in Christ for the glory of God. So within the generic teaching of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Paul focuses then his attention on the household relationships of husbands and wives, children and parents, and in the first century, the mostly healthy and loving relationship of slaves and masters. Today, we're just focusing on husbands and wives, and next week, you'll look at uh, children and parents and slaves and masters. And I won't be here, because I'll be on annual leave for a couple of weeks. Marriage conducted by Christians in God's way between a man and a woman is a glorious demonstration in the heavenly realms of the triumph of his plan to gather all things under Christ. How good's that? Amongst God's people, marriage is not a battleground, but a field of victory where sinners can remain united to each other in the service of Christ. Indeed, it is given by God as the most powerful illustration of Christ's covenant love for his church. I was just making sure, oh, they did. Sorry, I just thought of the, the five to eights all have little packs for taking sermon notes. I just thought of that. They all got them, that's good. So, marriage is the most powerful illustration of Christ's covenant love for his church. So, for all of us, whether single married, divorced, widowed, this beautiful passage speaks not only of the things we can pray for those who are married, but celebrates the intimate spiritual union of all believers with Christ, to whom we will one day be united physically, the ultimate marriage made in heaven. Our marriages end at the end of our lives, marriage in heaven is between Christ and the church. But I hope I get to sit next to Lara uh, in heaven for all eternity. That'd be really nice. So this is not just a section for married people. For Paul says in verse 32, I'm talking, in talking about marriage, Paul says, I'm talking about Christ and the church, ultimately. So this is for everybody. In order to understand human-to-human relationships, Paul begins with the relational submission of Christ to his Father, through the Holy Spirit. So Colossians 1, which is probably my favourite book of the Bible, Colossians 1 teaches us, Colossians is a letter also written by Paul to the church in Colossae, teaches us that Jesus is the creator, ruler and sustainer of the universe. Jesus, through Jesus, the universe was created, Jesus rules the universe and and the universe is sustained by his powerful hand. If Jesus removes his power from the universe, it would cease to exist. It's sustained by him. So this passage also teaches us that submission has nothing to do with power in relationships. Um, If you want to turn with me to Colossians 1 in your Bible, you can. I'm going to put it on the screen as well. It's up to you. Colossians chapter 1, and this is my favourite six verses in the Bible. Um, Have a look at who Jesus is. The Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation, 
For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is Jesus. He's pretty impressive, wouldn't you say? And this Jesus submits to his Father in heaven. So if we're to, ta- if we're to say, to say that submission is about power in relationships is folly and foolishness because Jesus, who is this being, submits relationally to the Father. The Father sent the Son to die on the cross for the sins of the world and the Son lovingly and willingly submitted to his will. Clearly, submission is not a sign of weakness or inferiority. The Son is not weak. He has the same power as the Father. The Son is not inferior. He's equally God with the Trinity as is equally God within the Trinity as the Father and the Holy Spirit. The relational order, however, is the Son in submission to the authority and loving leadership of his Father. Here, most clearly, we see the potential for a relationship where the one in authority loves perfectly the one who submits perfectly. This is where we see the model for a loving relationship of leadership and submission. No greater act of power has ever been displayed on earth than the Son's willing submission to the will of his Father upon the cross. Willing submission. And this must be the platform, friends, upon which you build your understanding of right submission in human relationships. And this is the reason that the secular world and those who don't follow Jesus can never understand the concept of biblical submission. Christ is our model of submission and must be. Otherwise, we can't possibly understand it. We must be in Christ to understand it fully and clearly. That's the first foundational layer, is the son's submission to the father, to understand marriage. Second is to understand... Christ and the church, the church willingly submits to Christ's loving leadership and rule. We learn in chapter 1 that Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. So how is it that Christ acts towards the church and how is it that Christ treats his body? Well, he blesses the church, he cares for the church, he teaches and instructs and directs the church in his Holy Spirit and he died to save the church from certain judgment. And he offers the church new life and real hope as a free gift. And how does the church respond to this love, care and free gift? Well, we accept, we trust, we follow, we submit to Christ's loving rule over our life. We say thank you to the animals and trees and the... I can't remember all of it now. We say thank you, Jesus, 
for lollies. We say thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. We accept your death on our behalf, your offer of grace and your gift of blessing and eternal life. Submission equals the church willingly accepting Christ's love and blessing. Who doesn't want to do that? That's a great... (laughs) Who wouldn't want to submit in that way? Accepting Christ's love and blessing. Submission equals the church willingly taking Christ's lead in life as well. We accept his blessing and love and then we follow him the way he wants us to go in life. Okay. In the same way, wives, verse 22, submit, to yourse- submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Very, 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 very important, wives, submit yourselves as you do to the Lord. Ultimately, you are submitting as a part of the church with the men. We're all submitting, ultimately, to the Lord. We all, Christian men and women alike, submit to the Lord. So don't think, wives, you're the only ones called to do any submitting. You're not. We're all called to do some submitting. Because you willingly accept Christ's loving rule, then submit yourselves to your husbands. Sorry. Because you willingly accept Christ's loving rule, then submit yourselves to your husbands who way back in the Garden of Eden were put in a place of authority and loving leadership over you. The husband was made, verse 23, the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Paul's very careful with his words. The husband is the head of the wife in the same way that Christ is the head of the church, which he died to save. Husbands, just because you're all living and breathing doesn't mean you failed, you haven't died for your wife. Um, But that's the model for us, is Christ, who was willing to die for his church. As the church willingly submits to Christ's loving and self-sacrificial leadership, so too are wives called to submit to their husband's loving and self-sacrificial leadership. Submission means willingly accepting a husband's lead and love, not being forced, but willingly accepting, willingly, voluntarily submitting. Now comes the questions in your minds, and rightly so. What if he's not loving? What if he's not self-sacrificial? What if he's not perfect at it? Well, none of us are, but what if he's really bad at it? The command remains to submit to him, which means doing your best to help him be the leader that God intends for him to be. If he's a bit bad at it, you're still called to submit and to love him, and in doing so, help him get better at it. Lovingly encouraging him to take the lead in the family, spiritually and otherwise being gentle and agreeable when you can rather than always needing to be oppositional and controlling give him space to try to lead albeit imperfectly and give god time to grow him your husband into the loving self-sacrificial leader that god wants him to be and you want him to be Okay, well, what about if he's actually 
not just bad at loving me, but abusive. Well, that's different. Submission is voluntary, and it's to your husband as to the Lord. Our Lord would never be abusive, and therefore your husband has no right to sin against you intentionally in that way. Husbands, may this never be the case. And if you find yourself being abusive and you don't know why, you can't stop, talk to me or someone trusted to get help. You need help. Our Lord won't stand for abuse. If a husband is sinning against his wife in the worst possible way or leading her to sin, he remains under the authority of the Lord and she can appeal to him and in some cases to the church leadership and in some cases to the police to intervene where necessary. If you find yourself in a relationship, my sisters in Christ, that is abusive, either physically, verbally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, any other way, please speak up. Please seek help. You're not weak and you do not deserve to be treated that way. You should seek help. Please seek help. Please speak to a friend. Please tell somebody who might, if you're not confident, ask help for yourself of me or someone. Speak to a friend who might be able to ask on your behalf for help. And this can happen not only to women but also to men. Um, We have friends and he is in their friend. He's in in an abusive relationship at the moment and it's terrible. Happens to men's too. So men, happens to you, please speak up and get help as well. Just because you're the man doesn't mean you should cop abuse. And if you've got a friend who's, you know, is being abused in that way, please encourage them to seek the support they should have. Giving men Jesus as their model leader is a guard against abusive relationships not a guarantee but a guard willing submission the conscious choice to accept your husband's god-given leadership god-given leadership and the conscious commitment to encourage him in any way you can to be the leader god wants him to be is a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing it will build your husbands up it will make them feel respected it will greatly assist them in loving you if you can lovingly submit to their leadership of you. Got any questions? cvac.org.au and I'll make sure I check tomorrow or the next day before I go away. Now wives have just a short sentence or two of instruction from God. Husbands have a lot more instruction from God. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ in the same way that Christ loved the church. And what did he do? End of verse 25. He gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself up for her. To make her holy and present her holy and blameless. Husbands, love your wives by first and foremost being utterly committed to her spiritual well-being, whether she be Christian or not. First and foremost, commit yourself to her spiritual well-being whether she be Christian or not. Commit yourself to praying for her regularly. 
I'm certainly speaking to myself, first and foremost. The greatest act of love for another is to pray for that person. Pray for your wives, often. If we claim to love our wives, we must pray for them. Trusting that God is faithful and he will do what he has promised to do to cleanse her, wash her, make her holy and blameless, we pray and ask God to bless our wives. Then we love, care for and cherish her as we do our own bodies. These past couple of months I've been busy and we all have. It's been a tricky time. Um... I'm eating more junk food, I'm doing less exercise, I don't like it, I don't know if you're with me in that boat, perhaps you are, I don't feel great, I feel tired, and a lot of the time my physical health is suffering. At the same time, in the same way, I know I've been lazier at spending time with Lara on our knees in prayer, and I hate that too, and I do hope that a little holiday is a circuit breaker, we'll see, um, I'm certainly praying about that. Husbands, love your wives spiritually by taking the lead in godliness and taking the lead in prayerfulness. Not telling them what to do from the Bible, that is a bad idea, but taking the lead, gently encouraging, gently suggesting time together in prayer to them. Taking the lead, spiritually. Husbands, love your wives emotionally. You know them. You know what to say that will build them up and encourage them, don't you? And you know what to say that will bring them down and discourage them, don't you? Husbands, love your wives emotionally. Think of them throughout your day. If you can, send a text, make a quick phone call, an email, pray for them throughout your busy day. Love your wives I look at Jesus and see a model of someone who doesn't just do the minimum to keep his church happy. You know the monumentally stupid saying, happy wife, happy life? Would Jesus say, well, happy church, happy seat of the Father's right hand side? I don't think so. Jesus gives generously, as we talked about in the kids' talk, abundantly to his church and he's our model, husbands in how we ought to love our wives, generously, abundantly, sacrificially. That's Christian thinking. Happy wife, happy life is pagan thinking and self-centred. So husbands cherish their wives, do anything they can to build them up, to grow them, to protect them emotionally. We will never be perfect at it. We'll always struggle But as long as you keep struggling and wrestling, then that's what God's called you to do. And that's where the gracious, spacious, encouraging submission of a wife is an immense gift from heaven as she encourages you and gives you grace in your stumbling to love her. Think radical, man. Think big. Here's a daring thing. Ask your wife, sincerely, how you can love her better. I was going to tell you just one way for starters, not 12. Just start with one. I try to do it once a year. I think I've done pretty well the last few years. Lara, what's one way I could be loving you better uh, at the moment this year? And then listen to the answer and don't argue with it. 
just take it on board. You'll be okay. Take it on board and love her in that way for her sake, even if it's hard. Now the questions. What if she's not lovable? What if she's critical and controlling and nitpicky and oppositional on most things? Well, God said if it's hard, then it's okay, you don't have to do it. No, God doesn't say that, does he? No. God says, love your wives. It's not conditional. <laughs> love your wives unconditionally. Love your wife regardless. You too are in submission to your Lord. But know this, Christ's love can win over the hardest heart and the broken heart. This might not be a necessary message for you and your marriage, I pray it's not, but it might be a good message for a friend of yours who's in a hard marriage. Christ's love can win over the hardest heart and the broken heart. If she's hard-hearted, that could well be a protective layer covering a broken or hurting heart. Loving your wives builds them up, gives them security, gives them confidence to willingly and joyfully submit to your lead and submit to your love as you work together like the two cyclists fanging it down the road together at high speed. Both man and woman grow, thrive and achieve more for Jesus than they ever thought was possible when the husband loves his wife and when she submits to his loving lead. In loving her well and in giving him space to love you well, you will thrive together as one flesh, pulling in the same direction and growing from strength to strength. I'm not always certain as a husband when I'm being loving, but I know when I'm not. Because I'm moody or grumpy or negative or critical, especially of small things, and I see my wife rushing to defensiveness. That's when I know I'm not loving her very well. Verse 33, look again. Each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands, love your wives. Wives must respect their husbands. This is a command to us to do our very best to obey the Lord in marriage, and the promise is the blessing of a vibrant marriage. A loving marriage where you will be happy and you will serve the Lord. Maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow. But if both of you commit to this, this, will be, this is the Lord's promise. As I hope you can see, when those who've been put in authority in these certain relationships, such as husbands, love those who've been put in their care, such as wives... It is liberating and empowering for those in their care. Those who submit become capable of even more than they could on their own. We, could do, we can do all things through Christ, whom we are in submission to and who submits to the Father, says Paul in Philippians 4.13. Wives can grow and thrive into the women that God wants you to be if you submit to Christ. This is the promise. Wives can grow and thrive in the service of Christ through the love and care of a loving, leading husband. Husbands can thrive and grow into the men that God wants them to be through the loving and willing submission of their wives. 
Authority and submission, when functional, like it is in the Godhead, is a wonderful blessing from God. It's a beautiful thing. Human relationships flourish in the way God intends them to, in a way they cannot on their own. I'm going to pray now that God will continue, that we'll continue to reflect on Christ's submission to his Father and Christ's model of headship over the church in our relationships that our marriages and all of our human-to-human relationships may thrive. Please join me in prayer. And Dean, do you want to wander down and you can continue in prayer after me? Loving Father and Almighty God, we thank you for your love of your Son in the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your willing submission to the Father and your sacrificial love of us, your church. Lord, may we all submit to your loving leadership and rule over our lives, receiving your grace and love for us and being willing to serve and obey you in return. Lord, we pray for your blessing on our marriages. Please make us husbands who are loving and caring and sacrificial towards our wives, seeking not the good of ourselves but the good of our wives. Lord, we pray for wives, that they'll lovingly submit to their husband's lead, not abuse. Lord, we pray that if abuse is present, that you will intervene, that they will seek help. We pray that wives can submit to their husband's loving lead, that they can encourage their husbands in their loving leadership of them through their godly and loving submission to them. In Jesus' name we pray all this. Amen. Questions, please... Jump on, I'm here today, and ask. Thanks. Let's continue in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing of church, being able to come together today to be in fellowship with one another and hear your words spoken to us through Gavin. We thank you for Christ's example to us through his submission to you and his servant-heartedness, even to death on the cross. Please help each of us to submit to Christ's rule and be servant-hearted in our attitudes and actions that we may honour you and strengthen each other. Lord, we give you thanks for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom and to be involved in sharing your saving gospel to those who do not yet know you. We pray that you would place a deep desire on the hearts of those in our community throughout Gledswood Hills, Gregory Hills and the surrounding areas to come into your kingdom. May you equip each of us at Gregory Hills Anglican with the tools we need to go about your work. Give us courage and the words to speak in love and truth. Please help us to seize every opportunity and in turn, Lord, we ask that you bless these efforts, that we will see many from our community joining us in fellowship, all for your glory. We bring before you the countless refugees around the world. We pray, Lord, that whatever situation they find themselves in and whether they have fled because of violence, persecution, hunger or other desperate need, you may protect them and provide for them. May they find a true sense of peace in you, knowing that you are sovereign and in control. We pray for the persecuted church around the world and at home. We acknowledge that there are many places around the world that face persecution in the many different forms that it can present itself. We particularly pray today for the Christian ministry in North Korea. We acknowledge the danger and challenging circumstances that face North Korean Christians daily, where even Bibles are illegal. 
We pray that you protect them and sustain them, giving them a sense of peace in you. We give you thanks for the growth that Christianity has seen throughout North Korea over the past year. We ask for the provision of Christian resources and material for them to access and study and that they may continue to be strengthened and build each other up in the very challenging and dangerous circumstances. Father, we give you thanks that we can rely on you for all things. And we pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.